Welcome to A Photographer's Life. The channel that takes you behind the curtain into the world of professional architectural photography. Join us now for an episode with one of America's premier architectural photographers. Today's broadcast comes from a recent interview with prominent American architectural photographer Barry Grossman. Today's interview was conducted by AIAP director Alan Blakely. We hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please let us know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel. Now, on with the show. We'd like to welcome you to this AIAP interview with photographer Barry Grossman. Barry, welcome. It's Thank great you, to Alan. have you here today. Thank uh, you, Bar sir. Barry is one of the premier architectural photographers in the United States, mm -hmm. uh, as well as an educator, and we're mm -hmm. happy to talk with you today. And Barry, let's just jump right in. Um, with what? How did you actually get into photography to begin with? What was, what was the start or the spark of that whole business? Well, for me, it's probably not that different from a lot of photographers in our group. Um, but I'll tell you my story briefly. Um, it probably flashes back to when I was five or six, <laughs> and okay. my father was a bit of an amateur photographer. Mm -hmm. um, and he kept his camera in his office with a leather uh, case and only on special occasions would he take it out. And so I, at a very young age, kind of thought of not just uh, his camera, his, his, his still camera, but his movie camera. Okay. I, I had a certain reverence uh, to the equipment itself because he treated it so carefully. Like he was a very meticulous person. Uh, you know, he was a PhD in, in the sciences and he was a very scientific mind. And so I kind of saw this camera and when he brought it out, I love the way it sounded. I love the way it, uh, it, it smelled. <laughs> there was something magical about yeah. the camera yeah. uh, coming out of that leather case. And, you know, when I was a little bit older, maybe seven or eight, you know, I was so fascinated that I wanted to use it. And I had an immediate attraction to the magic of picture taking. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually think I was in my first photography class back in New York in Brooklyn, where I grew up. Okay. I don't know how this happened. I think I was only in like fourth or fifth grade. They had a little photography uh, week or two where we got to go into the dark room. So as a young, oh nice, I was exposed to photography. And um, interestingly enough, the pictures that I first started taking, not that they were anything wonderful, they weren't, but I created little scenes. So it might have been my friends and my brother, you know, pretending to do something, right, you know, pick up a bike and ride it or open up a door into a house. So I was shooting, interestingly enough, movement and motion and trying to capture it with a still picture. And I kind of always thought that that was what led me down the road of what I eventually wanted to study in school and did, which was a cinematography and, and filmmaking. Mm. So I was very, very interested in it all through high school and then decided to major in film uh, in college. Okay. And uh, I pretty much minored in photography, basically mm -hmm. any elective I had. Um, and and I was, we, we were in a, a performing arts program in Syracuse, uh, Syracuse okay. University. Yeah. Go orange. And um, <laughs> so it was all filmmaking. It was very production and film theory uh, based. Yeah. And 
the curriculum was also very uh, strong in the fine arts. And so uh, I had a very in-depth, uh, I don't want to say in-depth training, but all through high school and in college, I did a lot of studio arts courses, drawing and painting, mm-hmm. um, mostly 2D work, not so much sculptural or 3D, a little okay. bit of, of that. Um, but a lot of producing of work. And so as a young person, you know, it was very um, part of my life to be producing work. Mm-hmm. And that for sure has influenced my career because as a young photographer, and even as I became more established, I've always been the type of person that wanted to shoot a lot. You know, it wasn't kind of uh, okay with me. <laughs> and some of it was financially based, not going to lie about that. But I, if I wasn't shooting daily mm. as a young photographer i felt like i was not being productive and so i think that kind of goes back to my film my film days and my film background mm-hmm. for sure um the the art classes and uh kind of the you know the art education that you have is that is that uh is that changed do you think or influenced uh, the way you shoot yeah uh, having that art Definitely. background? Um, for me, the foundational aspect of how I compose, the, 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 the you know, what I think is beautiful mm-hmm. uh, is was definitely influenced going back to my earliest days as a quote-unquote artist. And I didn't start to think of myself as an artist until I was maybe 15, 16 years old. I was very fortunate. I went to a public high school. Mm-hmm. But I had a couple of, and one in particular, very influential art teachers. Okay. He was a very serious artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was more of a, a, a child of the 60s and 70s and very expressive. I was very much into abstract expressionism. In addition to l- learning how to draw from life, he mm-hmm. was a wonderful high school teacher. I mean, they don't make them like that anymore. If they, or <laughs> and maybe they do, and I hope they do for younger so people <laughs> in the arts. It for sure influenced how I think about composition, how I think about, you know, what I love about image making. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really never considered a career in photography until later on in life. And I guess we can get to that part of the story. Yeah, we'll want to talk know. about your career path, but uh, I, I, I kind of wanted to get a, a little bit of understanding of, of, of what your basis was here and, you know, right. in art and and where that foundation comes from. And I think that's fascinating that you say that you didn't major in photography, because quite honestly, I have yet to interview anyone in our group who mm-hmm. majored in photography. Right. I guess that's a rarity in our specialty. There's probably a handful of people that are architects and people that come from different backgrounds. Yeah. For me, I would say, and this might be the first time I've actually spoken about this, uh, is with you. You know, now that I've thought about it, it's really my how I become uh, the type of uh, photographer who has his own style, and I think that's super mm-hmm. important to talk about that. Yeah, for sure, it comes through my background as as an artist, uh, drawing and painting, etc. And it set the stage for again what excites me in picture making. Okay, um, and and ultimately that is to have my own signature on my work that feels like um, the images are coming from me as much as they are, of course, coming from the client and, and the subject matter that they're providing. 
Right. But you definitely have a style and it's it's very distinctive and and people obviously hire you for that yeah. style because um, regardless of what the project is, they're hiring Barry because they wanted a photograph of how Barry sees that project. Yeah, 100%. And, and so to that, me, that's the most important or one of the most important aspects of of any photographer's uh, business is uh -huh. to have his or her own signature style and be recognized for it. I mean, there's a lot of other things that obviously make up a successful photographer's uh, portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, we could talk about those, but absolutely. I, um, I think it's imperative that we have, you don't want to blend in. You don't want your work to blend in to, you know, a morass of images that is now kind of proliferating our culture. And yeah. There's so many images out there and so many uh, ways to create those images. Uh, I think it's important for me, at least whenever possible, and it's not on every job, but as many jobs as possible that I'm able to put my, even if it's this big or this big, my stamp, my signature yeah. on the look. Exactly. I appreciate that. So let's talk about your career path is, sure. you know, leaving, leaving university and, and where did you go from there? And how did that? Um, I guess I, I was lucky. I, I we, we did four years in Syracuse. Mm -hmm. um, my, I met my then and continues to be my now wife in Syracuse. <laughs> she was also a film artist like I was. And it was Teresa. She's a wonderful artist and illustrator and filmmaker. Mm. And she had family down here. And so we graduated in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we kind of came down on the the, the heels of the Miami Vice era. So sure. I worked in film production. Okay. Primarily in the Miami area for about seven to ten, seven, eight years-ish. Okay. Um, all the while kind of going back to New York. And I always say unofficially, unofficially attending NYU grad film school. Okay. I say unofficially because I had several friends, um, including my cousin, who I consider to be almost like a brother to me, attending uh, NYU's grad film school. Mm. Uh, for better or for worse, I did my film school undergrad, and they did it as a graduate uh, student. And so the, the cool thing was I got to go to NYU through yeah. <laughs> guys, and I shot about whatever, a dozen projects up there within nice. that capacity, within uh, having all that equipment, which is a nice uh, higher oh, level. Yes. All film, by the way, 16 millimeter, super 16 millimeter, but their film lockers were huge. Mm. All the lighting you could imagine. Now, back then, it was all Mole Richardson. It was all Tungsten. A few HMI, which is basically continuous uh, yeah. daylight balanced right. lighting. Um and that's pretty much where I really kind of cut my teeth making the best images of my life as a young guy in his early 20s to mid 20s. And so I was going back and forth from New York working um, on these film projects, some of which were, you know, student level, truthfully, and some of which were professional level, because these are some talented people up there with great equipment. Sure. Uh, and, and decent budgets on some of these things. And so we had a very high standard. Mm. Uh, so I think that experience. Um, definitely helped uh, me understand the collaborative nature of image making. Because okay. when you're a filmmaker today, maybe things are different, but filmmaking back then was super collaborative. And you're oh, sure. 
Yeah. yeah, you're 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 maybe more than a rudder on the ship. Maybe you're the engine as the cinematographer. <laughs> so it was, it was a pretty privileged and cool position to be in. And we did a whole host of different projects. And again, for me, establishing and continuing to hone my own lighting and creative style um, as a cinematographer and photographer. And uh, I was able to work on a bunch of really cool projects. One in particular was an an homage to old classic horror films of the late thirties and early forties. Okay. And a lot of very cool architectural um, locations. So we were shooting in like the hall of records in New York city, uh, the Lindhurst castle, which is, I forget it was in Jersey or Long Island outside of the city mm-hmm. inside, outside and um, a bunch of cool churches in the upper West side of Manhattan. And so that, you know, I, I know at some point you're going to say, how did you want to get to start shooting interiors? <laughs> I mean, honestly, my love for shooting architecture and interior design um, or interior architecture mm-hmm. really was formed through some of my film experiences as well. Um, and using a, using a lot of lighting, because as you know, back in the day, there was no really quality photography stills or otherwise without the implementation and utilization of photographic lighting. And, and you show up in a picture. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so that's kind of why I still have those habits. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> the years yeah, later. a little different, but yeah. I wanted to relate back to that because um, it's interesting, you know, a film background like that, you, you learn about uh, not, not only controlling light, but, but creating light. Uh, you know, creating a look. And um, I'm not sure that exists to a very great degree these days. Um, I I don't really, I'm not in touch with the film school kind of situation these days. But, you know, I I have a similar kind of background as far as learning to light. And uh, my early photography, of course, was on, you know, four by five or eight by 10 transparencies. Mm-hmm. And uh, very complex as far as the lighting situation. Um, and how does now, now that you're shooting digital, um, how does that translate? Do you do you still um, apply that those same principles? Yeah. You're, you're For sure, I think the 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 premise that you're kind of describing, the film school pre- uh, premise or the filmmaking premise, is what's happening in front of the camera. And, and how does that apply to how we shoot today? Mm-hmm. And I definitely feel like, look, it's we all know how significant post-production is, uh, but let's not forget how significant setting your camera up is yeah. and putting the, the and composing and, and sculpting and including or excluding things that might live or should live in front of the camera. And that and that that it includes everything from furnishings to light as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a strong proponent of make it right in camera with the knowledge being that, listen, we have a digital darkroom to compose and arrange those elements. Um, so I think being influenced by filmmaking, uh, which may or may not have changed over the decades, uh, I don't think it has because I think for the most part, no, unless you're so. very heavy, yeah, it has to be right in front of the camera. Exactly. And I I always kind of jokingly say that um, 
to, to some of my clients, I say, listen, doing this, meaning setting the camera up and composing and shooting, I go, this isn't the work. You know, the, the work's going to be tomorrow and the next day when we have to put it together in, 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 in post-production. That's really the work. Yeah. At least that's how I feel. And on set and shooting, that's the joy. That's the artistic oh, sure. uh, experience. That's the collaborative experience. Um, and that also kind of, you know, we could talk about another very important aspect of what it is we do, and that is the collaborative aspect of it. I mean, for me, for better or for worse, I'm not showing up and taking these photographs just for me. <laughs> I'm showing up because they're telling me to or asking me to. And I'm <laughs> paying you know, for it. <laughs> yeah, we're there for them. We're there for them. And so uh, whoever they are uh, uh, at any particular day. And so I never forget that and haven't forgotten it over all these years that I'm there for my clients. And I think that's an important lesson for really any photographer, certainly young, sure. uh, uh, up and coming, you know, mm -hmm. people that are dedicated to their work. It's certainly, it's wonderful to have a signature. It's wonderful to have, you know, that artistry and to have that integrity integrity mm -hmm. attached to your work but you know let's not forget that you know who's bringing us to the to the party most of the time it's yeah. somebody inviting us to the experience mm -hmm. yeah well said i appreciate that so let me ask you what when did the transition happen from cinematography uh, and film production yeah it's interesting else? um well let me think the years <laughs> um i think well, I basically was done with NYU in the late 90s. I think my last project I shot was 97, 98. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, real life kind of gets in the way sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say gets in the way, but, you know, one's, one's life path it will, it is, will influence one's career path. So, you know, I, I had a wife. I was now a father for the second time as a young mm -hmm. man. And so going back and forth to New York for six weeks, eight weeks, mm -hmm. 10 weeks at a time to work on these passion projects, as one may call them, it got harder and harder. And so I, I started to, and, and I was still doing my still photography as a young photographer okay. at the time. I was shooting four by five mm -hmm. uh, transparencies and, you know, grinding and trying to get as a young 23, 25 year old, get in the doors of some of these established interior design firms. And, and for me, most of my clients were the interior designers, okay. not the architects. I mean, mm. maybe that's just the way it was down here in, in the Miami area, but that was the hot, at least for me, sure. um, market. That's where, you know, that's where the excitement was for me. Mm -hmm. and so I, I probably think of myself more of at this point and certainly historically as an interior shooter than okay. an exterior shooter, even though, of course, you need to, to do both. Right. Um, but I would say the transition happened late 90s, you know, mid mid to late 90s, mm -hmm. um, where I basically was like, okay, I'm not going to New York anymore. Mm -hmm. I was still picking up local work. So, for example, I probably did, I've lost count, but 60 to 70 or 80 film commercials, music videos, stuff like that. So I was, I was operating and, you know, earning some money on a freelance basis as a DP, yeah. as a director of photography, yeah. uh, you know, low budget to medium, low budget <laughs> music videos and, okay. and, and commercials down here. But I've done it all in film production. I've done everything from painted sets down here um, <laughs> to gaff, being a gaffer, a grip, 
but basically grip an electrical department, transitioning a little bit to the camera departments, you know, and functioning as an AC for a couple of cinematographers. Okay. Um, but, you know, not many of those cinematographers down here. At, I mean, it was easy for me to transition from lighting to camera and then from camera once people kind of trusted me uh, to be the shooter, which was, okay. which was a lot of fun. Interesting. Now, when you went into still photography, um, mm -hmm. self-employment and those kinds of things, um, was architecture your uh, subject of choice? You know, I, I earned my living as a young still photographer mm -hmm. shooting interior, interior and architecture. Yes, that was really, I'm not so sure it was my first of choice, but this is, I just kind of fell into that industry. Um, and I had a few other commercial clients. I shot um, uh, cosmetics. Okay. I shot perfumes. I, I was assisting a, uh, 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 as, a, as a very young guy down here, a after school a wedding portrait photographer and, and a wedding photographer. And one of the reasons I did that is because, you know, he, he had the four by five camera in the corner that he never used. And I also helped shoot video for him. So I was doing a little bit of everything, jack of all trades for this guy. Yeah. And it was actually kind of cool. You know, you learn a little bit everywhere. This guy didn't have any formal training, but he knew how to communicate with people. He was a wonderful, I would even say borderline master portraitist hmm. he was a really really good uh wedding photographer not that i ever wanted to do that but it was kind of cool to watch him work and help him i would set sure. the lighting up for him and he would ask me for some of my dramatic stuff every now and again when it was appropriate mm -hmm. and uh, you know for portrait work but i learned a lot from him and he uh gave me the four by five view camera basically oh. so when i was i'm going back to 90 91 92 so we're going back a long time mm -hmm. that's pretty much where i said okay now i'm an architectural photographer i have the camera <laughs> to prove it <laughs> yeah. and you know you needed it you needed it you weren't working you weren't getting hired and the magazines weren't putting your work anywhere unless you gave them that four by five that's um, true so yeah. you know however bad those pictures were <laughs> they at least were four by five inch bad <laughs> so it, it, it meant a lot um but i did a little bit of everything and then little by little started to phase out some of the, um, I would say late 90s. So within four to five years, I started to phase out shooting the product stuff mm -hmm. and only started shooting interiors. And, okay. and I was lucky because I connected with a couple of magazines. I did a lot of grinding as a young, mm -hmm. young guy. Um, yeah. And one I, last thing I'll mention, it's not the most interesting part of my career, but I'll mention this. Um, from 1995 to 2000, in the midst of all this, mm -hmm. I partnered with, excuse me, um, somebody who's who's a good friend now, but he, he ran a mom and pop E6 lab. So he processed all the transparency film in the Fort Lauderdale area. There's a couple of big, big um, uh, film processing lab mm -hmm. houses down here, one was in Miami, one was in Fort Lauderdale. He, admittedly, his was a mom and pop shop, but a lot of top shooters went to him. Got mm. personal service. Uh, and 1995, he and I were chatting, and he's like, I want to open up a digital studio. He goes, why don't you run it, and we'll be partners. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's do that. <laughs> and so 1995 to 2000, we had a little digital studio we had a drum scanner that wasn't very little and yeah. we scanned all the transparencies the cool thing about it was 
with digital starting to become more required i mean starting yeah um, that was the beginning it's cool yeah. for me to have a seventy thousand dollar drum scanner at yeah. my disposal we had big digital printers i mean we, i remember we leased not only did we lease the mac we leased the ram in the mac that's how <laughs> expensive these things were <laughs> remember we leased ram it was like two thousand dollars <laughs> so it was cool to have a digital setup for grossman photography yeah. you know I, that i can use all that equipment whenever i wanted and I ran that studio for us, doing everything from graphic design, logo design. We subbed out some of that stuff. In fact, my wife was a wonderful logo designer. She did some of that stuff uh -huh. um, for us. And towards the end, it became quite apparent that, you know, I really wanted to move on and do more shooting. I was still mm -hmm. doing my shooting in those days, but mm -hmm. I, you know, it was hard to do all these things at once. Sure. So maybe that experience is one of the reasons that my film career kind of had to take a back seat because I was I was running two businesses and running three was near near impossible. Sure, yeah, yeah. That that's kind of fascinating. So when you when you made the jump into architectural and and on your own, um, what what kind of clientele did you go after? I mean, did you did you have a, a market in mind that you wanted to shoot for? Was it the interior designers? Yeah. Or? How did you market I, yourself? I, I'm trying to think. I had a connection at, at an interior design company. Mm -hmm. And as a young person, I got an interview. Okay. Uh, this particular interior design company was, you know, one of the big ones down here. And okay. one of the big ones down here meant like 40 designers working wow. underneath. Uh, and it was in a beautiful downtown Miami mm -hmm. office. And I remember walking in as like a 23, 24 year old guy and meeting with their marketing director and um you know we we're chatting and i had a little bit of a portfolio not much but i you know maybe i had a little bit of um naive confidence <laughs> is what i had that i kind of walked in i got the interview and um she basically was like okay you know she's gonna love you she goes what what do you charge and i told her what i charge she says no no you don't she goes you charge double that Otherwise, mm. she's not going to take you seriously. <laughs> okay, Good point. I'm yeah. to that now. <laughs> yeah. So that experience was interesting, and it was kind of cool to be the young photographer on the block, and yeah. that kind of uh, opened my eyes, gave me more portfolio, mm -hmm. and it just became a snowball. So basically, as a young guy, 23, 24, 25, 26, I started to grind and generate a portfolio. Okay. And again, all film, all all four by five film. Yeah. Had to yeah. yeah. I, I've got. I still got mine in a box. <laughs> <laughs> so I may be avoiding the issue. Why architecture? Why interior? I think it was kind of. I don't want to say it was an accident, but it was kind of. You know, I enjoy the designers too. I enjoy. I I, I enjoy the collaborative nature of working with most all of my designers. They're they're and even then. Um, as a younger person, you know, they were artistic, they were cool, they, they loved the process of picture making. Mm -hmm. um, and that really made sense to me, because coming from my film background, it was always a, a process to build and, and create an image. And that's kind of what the same experience with them. We were shooting black and white Polaroids, you mm -hmm. know, move, move the chair an inch to the left, change the flower out for something else. So even as a young photographer learning, and certainly by no means was I creating fantastic work back then, um, 
it, it was just more the the experience of working with these people that just made a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I vibed with these, you know, with, with the, with yeah. the, with the market. It made, uh, it was a good connection for me less so than the architects. I had a couple of architects back yeah. in the day um, that I got started with, but I, I might've been too young for them. You know, maybe I was a little too artsy for them. You know, it was a, it was a different photographer, I guess that, that they were looking for, but the designers embraced me even as a young guy. Yeah, and it was. I had kind of a similar experience, but for me, you, you know, you mentioned uh, about that collaboration with those artistic people, and I learned so much uh, from interior designers early on, just about about placement and composition, because they would look at a Polaroid and they would see shapes, and you know, negative and positive spaces and things like that, where. That wasn't the experience that I had with architects. That's and interesting. The interior designers seem to have an aptitude for photography and composition that uh, I don't think any other market segment seems to have. So it was for me, it was very educational to work with. Oh yeah, really, hundred percent. And even when we were shooting Polaroids, yeah. You know, and for me, the Polaroids aspect then, I used to think I was keeping Polaroid in business back then. But for <laughs> me, I, I, I eventually we were the black and white Polaroid, yeah, um, with the magnifying glass. How how you know how how close can we get? Yeah, and for sure, some of those lessons, you you're not going to learn them anywhere else. You're not going to learn. Uh, I'm trying to think of the hundreds and hundreds. Uh, I, I have a pet peeve today that I learned as a young photographer, and that is one of my designers. We were shooting a dining room, and I guess my I or my assistant and I were setting the the, the chairs around the dining room. I was like, no, 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 no. He goes, pull them out. He mm-hmm. goes, don't, don't push the chairs underneath the table. Yeah. And to this day, <laughs> that is still something I hear in my head. And in fact, when I'm and when I'm teaching or coaching or mentoring other photographers, I will invariably say let me tell you about one of my many one of my pet peeves and that is shoving chairs underneath that and exactly what you're saying the right way to arrange a pillow the right way to have the floral rotated so it looks beautiful for this camera angle all those little well yeah it's those those sensitivities yeah the the attention to detail that a, a designer has i think helps the photographer so much um, yeah. if, if they choose to learn from that, but, uh, you know, there was so many things like, like you mentioned, just, just all the different elements of an interior that are important. One of the things that was the most eye-opening to me was the elevation of my camera mm-hmm. and, and where a designer would say, no, you can't shoot it from that high. <laughs> right. That's not how I want, I want to look at the room here. Right. And, and that was really interesting. I'll share a very quick anecdote about camera height, and I 100% agree. I love to have the camera height to feel intimate as if you can sit down in the space, or even if you're walking into the space, if you're not near seating, mm-hmm. you need to have the camera the right height to make the space either feel majestic or to have the furnishings feel proportional to one another. Mm-hmm. Camera height is such a... Uh, a way to kill a good shot if it's oh, wrong. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I, did, I have one of my commercial clients that I haven't worked with now for a few years. My assistant, my assistant and I would laugh a little bit because she would say, "Can you get the camera a little lower?" I would say, "Okay, okay, we'll get a little bit lower." And she'd come back, "No, a little bit lower." 
It's like anything lower. Okay, we'll get it a little bit lower. We'll get it down a little bit lower. She come back. We're, we're doing what we're doing. No, 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 no. A little bit lower. I, I, my assistant and I would laugh. Said how we're going to be underneath the coffee table <laughs> if we get any lower. Now the interesting thing is she, this she was a commercial client, but uh, she did marketing for a uh, furniture and design showroom. A big, you know, they had whatever dozens of them around the country, and I think in Florida they may have been six or seven. Okay. Um, so we were selling furniture as much as we were selling vignettes and designer uh, motifs and, and atmosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, so she, if we were shooting a cocktail table or if we were shooting a, a sofa, I mean, it was almost a joke how low she wanted the camera. Uh, so that, not to go too down the rabbit hole of that story, but you mentioned camera height. This yeah. lady really wanted it low. Interesting. So let me ask you now, uh, you know, once you got things rolling business-wise, hmm. how did you keep that going? What was your, did you do active marketing and what was that like? Um, um, or did it just come to you? <laughs> I'll answer the question two different ways, okay. and then I'll then I'll try to get specific. Here's the here's the first way I'll answer it. I think I got my business rolling by trying to differentiate myself from other photographers, like we talked about at the beginning, to yeah. try to have a signature look, to try to be create images that were me memorable and distinctive. Mm -hmm. um, transition that to well, how do you remain relevant? How, 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 do, how do you remain fresh? And the answer there is I think you need to be willing to, and this is hard, and it has been hard for me, um, be willing to be adaptable to new demands of photographers. Uh, and, you know, you and I having shot now for three decades, those demands have changed over the years. And so yeah. the demand these days might be more stylistic in terms of it's different than maybe the way I used to want to deliver images. Mm -hmm. Images used to be dark, evening, more theatrical. Now oh. images, admittedly, are more bright, daytime, naturalistic. So being re remaining relevant now is maybe harder because, for me at least, because I'm trying and clinging to, because I think it's important, my own signature style, but at the same time, being respectful of what my clients are demanding of me, um, because it, it may not always uh, be my first inclination, right? So, so the second answer is to remain relevant, you need to be willing to change. Uh, but as far as the nuts and bolts of, hey, how did I get... Um, uh, how did I begin my career and gain these clients? My mm -hmm. simple answer is shooting as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I joined uh, the the um, the ASID, American Society of Interior Designers. Mm -hmm. um, I joined the Builders Association, uh, and I would go out and network. I mm -hmm. never liked it. I never liked necessarily going and schmoozing and rubbing elbows every mm -hmm. now and again, shooting some of the party stills for for the, you know their respective newsletters and stuff. But that was what networking was back then. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not so sure I, that really ever helped because, you know, there's that thought that, oh, the more you're out there, the more you're out there, the more you, people know who you are. But then there's also the flip side of that. And that could be you don't want those folks to think of you as the photographer shooting the event. You know, they're, right. I mean, that might be a little bit of an you know, a snooty way to, to think about it. But, you know, so these designers, you know, they, they, they like branding, right? They're very brand oriented. Sure. And so I guess 
we as photographers and we as owners of our photography studio need to be owners of our photography brands also. And yeah. so as we're kind of, not as a rule, but just as a, yeah, um, Hey, this is my life and this is how I want to spend my time. I didn't really go to a lot of those events, but yeah. I certainly did my best to get established. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if I were to say what is the best thing for a young photographer to do, I always say create a beautiful portfolio any way you can, because otherwise they're not going to take you seriously. Sure. Um, yeah. And so that might mean shooting stuff on spec mm -hmm. once or twice to get your portfolio built. Yeah. Even though I'm not necessarily a proponent of shooting things for free. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. But you got to you got a portfolio build. Um mm -hmm. and and be of course uh, a professional uh, and I know I'm changing the answer but <laughs> being a professional that they can trust and rely upon as much as a photographer mm -hmm. that, that delivers quality pictures because I think that's probably half of the job. Um I'd love to say that 99.9% .9 of the job is delivering gorgeous work, but I don't think it's that. I think it's at yeah. best half. The other half is, do they want to work with you? Do they want to hire you? Are they going to hire you again? Are mm -hmm. you fun to work with? Do you inspire them? Um, and so maybe this goes back to my film background. I always feel like the collaborative and the sharing experience mm -hmm. is, you know, it's what makes them excited. You sure. know, I want to shoot yeah. another job with you. Yeah. And you know, especially if if you're showing them something that maybe they haven't seen happen before, and that becomes exciting for them. That's true. They're in that space, and they they see what you're able to do with the space, and That's true. they can be a part of that. And that that is a big deal. And, yeah, and and I've always, you know, again, my personal aesthetic um, is I want to put their work on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. I um. I'll tell you a very quick anecdote. Years ago, uh, many years ago, I, I had an interview with a designer and I ended up getting the job. I ended up getting his, uh, it's more than one sheet. It was like five or seven sheets. I forget. Even oh. a couple of them were travel sheets. Mm. Um, he said something to me that I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. He said to me, and I'll try to remember the exact quote. He goes, yeah. He goes, I want these pictures to look like you weren't even there. And I was like slap in the face. <laughs> now I get that now because now maybe there's that lean towards naturalism, right? Mm -hmm. Where the pictures take themselves and, and the photographers aren't really part of the process. Um, magic just happened and whoa, there's the image. Nothing was needed to do to create it. Um, mm -hmm. And if it was, it's not that apparent. Now, again, going back in time, my aesthetic and my background all was, wow, I'm offended by that <laughs> because <laughs> I wanted to have my signature. I wanted to do something exactly. yeah. cool and different. Um, but this guy was like, he made splash of cold water. I want these pictures to look like you weren't even there. Now, well, yeah, and I get that. And and there's <laughs> there's a lot of effort that goes into making a photograph that looks yeah, that way. True, true. hundred percent. And I... Um, for the record, uh, marvel at photographers or or photographs that appear effortless. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we all know they're not, but yeah. for somebody to be able to create work that feels like it happens is maybe more difficult than somebody who creates work 
that it's maybe a little bit more obvious. Okay, there's the backlighting coming through the window, mm -hmm. and there's something in the foreground that's obviously been placed just right. You know, but you know, we are who we are, right? <laughs> and if so, and and like you said, people want to hire, you know, Alan Blakely. People want to hire Barry Grossman or another photographer. They they can be choosy these days because there's a lot of really good photographers. Yeah, out there. So I think another bit of advice I can give to the photography community, especially young mm -hmm. photographers, be confident in who you are as a shooter. And mm -hmm. I try to be, I really try to be, it's not always easy um, because the clients will push you and pull you in the way that they want. <laughs> but I'd like to think that most of them are inviting you to their party <laughs> because right. they want you to be there. You know, it, like, it's rare yeah. to hear. It's rare. In fact, I haven't never heard it again <laughs> that a, that a designer said to me, "I want to make it look like you didn't show up." <laughs> but that's what he said. That's that's interesting. Isn't that cool? Oh, I I do think that you're you're spot on with the fact that they hire you for for the look that you bring, and yeah. um, right. Rarely, and part of the fun, rarely do it? they want you to show up and do something that's not characteristic of your work. So. Right. And there are there are clients that have certain, especially new clients, mm -hmm. that might have fixed, predetermined expectations as far as sure. you know, what they think the picture should look like. And how, and I also think it's important to to listen and maintain your own sense of confidence to to, to think, okay, I know what they want. This is how I'm gonna give them what they want. Yeah. Um, and that's a balance because you don't want to come off and I never I'd like to think never come off like I'm smarter than my clients or I know better than my clients. I, I would definitely uh, yeah, that's recommend. That's not a good place to go. <laughs> that's not a good place to go. You know, again, we're, we're, we're respectful of their wants and needs and, mm -hmm. and lots of times giving them just what they want. You know what? Sometimes they do know more. They know more about the project. They know more about the staircase and that piece of artwork next to it. They know more about that than we do. Right. And so when they say, hey, listen, I want a shot here. And then it may not have been what you had in mind, but that's cool. That's part of the give and take. That's part of the collaborative sure. nature of what we do. Yeah, I, I, you make an important point there. And I think that, that, that that's really valuable for younger photographers to understand that. You know, yeah, that working relationship and and what a balance that really is. Yeah, um, and, and and there are clients that keep coming back. You know, yeah. five, ten, fifteen years. You have that you know lifelong, hopefully, or long, long mm -hmm. um, partnership. You yeah. know, and, and they every time a photo shoot comes up, they're ringing you because they now know what the relationship is going to you know yield in, in, through that partnership. Yeah, and there's there's a level of trust and confidence um and you, you know there's some peace of mind there in in calling calling you and and knowing that at the end of the day they're going to get photographs that they're happy with yeah and that yeah. and that's huge there's there's no yeah. guesswork at that point no and it's a big it's an investment of time energy resources money yeah and they, it's nice to know that you're going to be delivering that high level of uh, on their high expectations. Mm -hmm. That's to me the best when yeah. you're working with people that have those high expectations, as opposed to, and you know, it may happen to all of us and it still does to me working with clients that's who, whose expectations aren't as high <laughs> and how do you achieve their goals? And at the same time, maintain your brand, hold on to your own artistic and technical 
uh, integrity as what you're as far as what you're delivering, because nothing is worse. And I'm sure you can. And some of our members would agree, I, I assume mm-hmm. nothing's worse than just churning out pictures for the paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, ain't none of those pictures in my portfolio. <laughs> right. No. And at the end of the day, of course, we're all making a living. But that, the, the real joy for me doesn't come from money making. It comes from picture making. Sure. You know? exactly. Money making is lovely. Uh, but, you know, it's nice to see the check come in, so to speak. But there's nothing inspiring about it. No, I, I I completely agree with that. There's, I mean, that's why we're in it to begin with. At least for mm-hmm. me, is that that we get to make images that are yeah. exciting and it's it's fun to go to work because it's not the work that <laughs> we real, you know, that we consider work necessarily. It, it's, uh, oh, yeah. it's it's a new experience every shoot. And I was talking to a friend of mine just a, earlier this morning. He he has a, he's in business. He makes a lot more money than me. He does these electronic billboards okay. and he leases them and he sells them, mostly leases them. I would not want to be in his business, <laughs> even though he makes a lot more money. You know, it's like, really? You lease electronic billboards. I mean, nothing, nothing against that. Uh, but you know, we're I think we're the lucky ones, truthfully. Yeah. Well, and I think it just it it speaks back to the the fact that it's an artistic pursuit. And that we're all just right brain dominant and we need to, <laughs> we need to make a living somehow. And this yeah, is we, this we is a help. way that makes a living and also fulfills us artistically. So I think that's interesting. Barry, before we get too far into this, I want to talk about the fact that you you chose to teach and and yeah. kind of get back your secrets. And Kicking and screaming. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm wondering well, how, how did that begin for how you? How did that come about? Well, around 2012, 13, they had kind of asked me, do I want to do a workshop? We kind of talked about it mm-hmm. and it never really came to pass for a variety of reasons. Maybe I can only speak to me. I'm not so sure I was ready. I'm mm-hmm. not so sure I was capable um, of doing it, but, you know, because it's a lot of pressure and, you know, do you want to do it? Uh, yeah. Am I going to do a good job? Um Around 2016, 2017, I started having the conversation again, uh, uh, and I could tell you with whom, uh, but I was like, sure, I think I'm ready now. And Mm -hmm. we had just photographed a beautiful resort hotel in South Florida, and I was like, you know, wouldn't it be cool to do one of our our first workshop at this amazing resort hotel? There's so much to shoot. There's rooms. There's gorgeous lobbies. And this is like a classic um, it's like Spanish architecture from the 19-teens, 1920s uh, in South Florida. That yes, there is some of that down here. It's not all uh, Art Deco, and <laughs> so it was a lot. It was a lot of cool architecture to shoot. Yeah. Um, and I did the first one, and then I started to do a little bit of online coaching, on portfolio reviews, okay. things like that. The next year we did a second one. The next year was 2018, and we we shot two gorgeous, super cool modern homes out in Las Vegas. Okay. And at this time, I was like, okay, now this start is starting to make sense. Mm. Um, I I feel comfortable talking about my shooting methods. I feel comfortable philosophizing about why I like doing what I'm doing, and not just the how are you doing it, but but the why. Um, 
And then I became a little bit more proficient in the post-production aspect. And a lot of people are interested in, you know, you know, not only what are your secrets, but, you know, you're setting up your lights. Why are you setting up your lights here? And how are you dropping them in? Um, yeah. So, so 2018, the second one, I got a little bit better at the teaching aspect. And now we, now we're structuring these over five days. So mm. we have three days of shooting, a day of introduction, Day two is shoot day, day three is shoot day, and day four is like post-production and review day. Okay. Um, so now we're getting it a little bit more refined. And yeah. subsequent to that, we've done two others, mm. and we're about to do our fifth. Um, and you know, a, if your question is, why am I doing it? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, not, uh, it, it's not the best business decision. <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's, I do it because I've discovered that I do like it. I think I get I get as much out of it, maybe more. <laughs> uh, and I like sharing. But the, I'm at the point in my life, the point in my career where I want to give back to the community, mm -hmm. um, what however much I can give, and people are going to are going to take in what they take in and not and and discard what they don't feel is relevant to them. Of course, sure. And in fact, I'm always saying that at the end of our workshops, I want you guys and gals, and I'm very proud of our female uh, attendees. We, mm -hmm. we usually have almost 50-50 male to female, which is oh, interesting. super okay. cool. Super cool. Um, I want you men and women to do things like you have already been doing them, but now maybe think about how you're doing them mm. the next time you have a photo shoot. I don't want you to necessarily shoot like me or try to implement lighting the way I do. But yeah. I'm giving you a couple of tools to put in your toolbox. And so now you have, okay, a little more confidence. Because let's be honest, a lot of interior, photograph interior photographers, they're not implementing lighting at all. And they never learned it. Yeah. And so I'm bringing to the table really basics in terms of how, to, how and why you implement mm -hmm. lighting. Nowadays, it doesn't have to be all the time because, you know, the, the new digital sensors and the cameras have become right. so sophisticated. You don't not to get it all that, on frame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and expectations of the final image have, have changed where people are expecting mm -hmm. a certain look. And that look typically is more of a natural, mm -hmm. unaltered with photographic lighting uh, final image. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of nice to have control over your image so you can know when to bring in and when not to and when you need to and when you can if you want to just be playful and whimsical or creative so the workshops have become i'd like to think a wonderful experience for all myself included mm -hmm. sharing of ideas sharing of techniques and then the other aspect of it and i'm sure a lot of people come just for this other aspect <laughs> and that is they get exposed to the you know, the super high end medium format camera systems that we bring to well, the table. Yeah. That, that, and so we bring yeah. we bring out the big toys and there's folks that come because they're like, wow, I've never shot medium format. I've never shot with a technical camera. You know, forget I've never used lights. They've never shot with the really, you know, sophisticated camera systems. Yeah. And so it's cool to expose photographers to that, the benefits of of, of using those systems. Um so I like to think it's a it's a well rounded experience. <laughs> It's it's working with me, me working with them. I make a hell of an assistant um, because it's usually how we've done it in the past. It's how we 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 usually twelve to fifteen photographers, so that's fairly intimate, but it's not 
you know, crazy. And yeah. it's me, my assistant. Um, I partner with a company called Capture Integration. They're out Ooh. of Atlanta. They're they're resellers of all these toys. Yeah. Um, phase one, Fuji, everything. You bet. And they'll bring three to four people, sometimes mm -hmm. just a camera rep or two. So the one thing that's cool about the workshop experience and and Honestly, it's one of the reasons I continue to do it with with these with these partners, if you will. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a hard sell, if you will. <laughs> I, I, I'm there. I feel like I'm one of you. I'm there as a photographer. I'm not as a I'm not there as a camera salesman. And the truth is they're very cool about it. If I felt like they were hitting people over the head with you know, hey, are you going to buy anything? Uh, yeah. Then it would be very uncomfortable for me. But it's the, yeah. it's my workshop. They're there a support system, a mm -hmm. support system for me, and it's, each one has been successful, which is cool. And and, and success is measured in different ways. You know, oh, I, sure. I I maintain my relationships with these photographers, which is wonderful. That's They're great. Constantly reaching out to me, <laughs> which is not everybody, but totally I have some that are more. Yeah, they send me pictures. Uh, what, what do you think about this? Um, mm -hmm. Can we schedule a portfolio review? I want to show what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. And every now and again, not that I claim to be the most expert opinion on how to construct a contract, but I've been doing it long enough that I can help them yeah. with that kind of stuff too. So um, I can be fairly pragmatic and, and practical as a studio owner even though that's not my favorite part of the business. Mm -hmm. So, but it's been, it's been a great experience. And then of course, during the shutdown, when we couldn't do one of our workshops, yeah. somebody reached out to me and, and he, and he's like, well, can you do something online? Can you help? And I was like, how, how am I supposed to do that? And so that next thing, you know, I was doing some video tutorials, okay. which was, you know, I'm a little bit obsessive. If you couldn't tell that a little bit about my personality. <laughs> so I dove pretty deep into, okay, how can I do this? I spoke mm -hmm. with a couple of friends on, you know, how to set up a website so people can look at the, 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 these yeah. tutorial, uh, the, the tutorials that we put together. And it's been very um, eye-opening. I've learned that I like to teach, you know, so maybe at some point when I run out of energy and I'm too tired to schlep around all this camera equipment, maybe I will do more of that Day as opposed to teach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it, not that it is that, that it's easy. We, we, we bust our tails for, especially at the workshops are working very hard. Yeah. That's hard work. Um, it's hard work. And, and, and like I said, you know, I'm, I make a dang good assistance and that goes back to my <laughs> film days yeah. uh, as a crew member. I loved one of my favorite jobs was being an AC, an assistant camera mm -hmm. person. I would load the film, I pulled the focus while the camera operator mm -hmm. uh, framed everything up, whatever it took. Um, and I always prided myself on being a good assistant. Now that said, I did not. I know you probably have asked because I've listened to several of your other podcasts. Did I learn? Did I apprentice under somebody else? Did I assist another photographer? And the answer is. No, I didn't. And that's not because I didn't try. That's um, unusual. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried. I reached out to a photographer who was the top guy down here, at least, and uh -huh. the, you know, the, the, the trailblazer. And I reached out to him. And maybe this is one of the reasons I shied away from teaching and sharing for so long. Mm. Um, but but his answer to me was, I'm not running a photography school. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, wait a minute, really? And I guess because I found out that, you know, maybe he had some assistance that might have gone behind his back. Those kinds of things can happen in our industry. 
but um yeah you know it, i, I didn't go is. that route that's that's part of the deal yeah yeah but that is unusual that you didn't you know work with another photographer i was the trial and error the smile on my face be confident in what i can do type of guy yeah and and well be willing to learn from others around me type of guy even if those others were clients yeah right? yeah you know obviously you're able to observe you know other work and and you know yeah. try to figure out how to get from where you were to there and uh that that to me it talks about your artistic aptitude as much as anything um where do you, what do you what's your view of the industry right now as far as architectural photography i mean you and i oh, have been boy. in this a long time most of yeah. the members of our group have been in it 20 plus years wow we're not going to be shooting forever and we're not <laughs> <laughs> well, well who knows? Funny. <laughs> my, my wondering opinion, what your view is what is it? It's a Tuesday. My opinion on a Tuesday might be different <laughs> next Tuesday uh, because that's kind of my personality. I, okay. but, 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 uh, but the truth is and I'm maybe I'm being facetious, but there's some truth in it. The industry's changing week to week and my feeling of how I fit within it changes. Mm -hmm. um, I would say I'm having a pretty good year. And so I'm very encouraged. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I would say, and it's probably pointless to go back to the 90s, but if we're going to go back to the 90s and the early 2000s, I think it was really about establishing myself as have, at, at, and, and, and conveying that brand and that signature style. Mm -hmm. um, Ten years later, it was about maintaining it and expanding, finding new people with whom to work, finding new projects, higher-end projects to shoot, shooting resort and hotel, transitioning away from homes. Um, that's super important, by the way. And if, if you started shooting hotels and workspace and other interesting things like that, I hate to say going back to residential is boring. It's, it isn't, but and that's really my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of other exciting stuff to shoot out there sure. from an interior design perspective other than living rooms and dining rooms and bedrooms. Yeah. Uh, so expanding what you're shooting mm -hmm. is is super important and that's that's a decision you can make um as a professional seeking out marketing um networking with those designer or architects mm -hmm. that do work within that space yeah um, so you say how what, what's my opinion of the industry today it's continuing to transition to these new subjects. So for example, last week, um, I shot a fire station. <laughs> now that might be standard for a lot of people, but it's not standard for Barry Grossman photography. You know, I shoot a lot of workspace and some educational, mm -hmm. um, some industrial, but I may have shot two firehouses in my 30 years. So it was kind of cool to get that. And that's with a new design firm and they don't specialize in firehouses, but they do a lot of them. Uh, and yeah, so it's like, you know what, this is kind of cool. I'm shooting a firehouse, um, has some photographic challenges, They're shooting inside, shooting outside. They wanted to have people in the pictures, firemen. Um, and you know, it was part of it felt like a resort shoot because I had some images, uh, in the fitness and workout room. We had some guys doing working the machines and stuff. I do the same pictures at a hotel. Yeah. Uh, same so skill set. <laughs> same skill set working with people. These are not professional models. So again, I'm hearkening back to that 
at uh, Miami photographer that I that I learned a lot from how he dealt with people, how he schmoozed people, how he made people feel comfortable in mm -hmm. front of a camera. So it's everything all at once you bring to your new work. And so, you know, the state of the industry for me right now is not that different, but I'm probably moving away from residential, not not consciously. And if I got if somebody said, hey, Barry, I want you to shoot five homes for me in the next month, I'd be OK. But I'm getting more um, different subject matter to shoot, okay. which is exciting. Yeah. So it's whatever is new and uh, and and exciting, uh, and and keeps you on your toes and keeps you wanting to shoot um, fresh images mm -hmm. uh, and not fall back into your habits. That's that's one of the expressions that I use at my workshops, mm -hmm. which is. Listen, you guys are all great photographers, but I don't want you to fall back into your habits on your next shoot. Mm -hmm. Not that the habits are bad, that they don't yield wonderful results. Do something different just because. You know, yeah. Take a chance. Um, so I try to do that whenever possible. I try to do that whenever possible. Um, and this firehouse shoot um, was mostly a natural light, quote unquote, uh -huh. uh, photo shoot. <laughs> but uh, we were shooting this one. Uh, it wasn't the fitness sh shot. It was like a conference shot. Okay. And so uh, not a it was like a classroom where the, we wow. had the guy, like the fire chief was up front and mm -hmm. we had the rows of firemen sitting in like a classroom type, you know, mm -hmm. a setup. Yeah. And I, I shot it two different ways. One from kind of the back of the room shooting towards the, the chief, mm -hmm. kind of over the shoulder, if you will, of the guys. Yeah. And that gave us a beautiful view. I can, there was a glass wall on the right. And then we shot it from the other direction. Now, when I shot the first direction, we had some lighting coming from right to left. When I turned it around, um, I had to replicate that lighting. Okay. So I was like, okay, I could just shoot it flat with the overhead lighting, but but why not take a chance? Why yeah. not try? I don't want to fall back into my habits mm -hmm. of just doing the the maybe the logical or easier solution. Let's take a chance and try something so we put i had a thousand watt uh pro photo unit i put mm -hmm. that just outside this glass wall and it backlit the guys for a really nice. cool yeah. effect and i was like okay let's get a couple with the light we'll get a couple without it just mm -hmm. in case it's a little much yeah. and mo I, having reviewed most of the pictures and i haven't done final processing on this shoot yet those that the, the, the dynamic ones are the exciting ones mm -hmm. and those are the ones where even to a degree, it felt like these amateur models, if you will, had the most energy because the light provided that energy. Mm -hmm. So I guess that uh, the next time we're shooting a living room, the next time we're shooting, you know, maybe not necessarily a school environment that might have been taking a risk that could backfire. Um, but the next time we're setting up for a shot, how can we bring energy to it with our tools when yeah. when, quote unquote, natural light or the subject matter is a little plain mm -hmm. you know, the image it, it needs to add something to the design every now and then uh yeah. even at the risk of offending that designer from 20 years ago who said i want <laughs> images to look like you weren't there <laughs> so yeah sometimes the photographer has to show up i guess well i i think that's a that's an excellent point and such an important point that, that you can always add something that is going to enhance that photograph. And, yeah. you know, years ago I used to work with an art director and he, and he'd been in the advertising business for many, many years. And, and what he would always say to me was, 
it lacks sparkle. We need to add more sparkle. Now, I didn't know really what that meant, but I, but I, who does? <laughs> I later, you know, but my reaction to that was, I need to add a little bit of contrast or a highlight somewhere, right? To uh, make that lighting a little bit more exciting and not quite so flat, but I don't need to make it obvious. You know, I don't, it doesn't need to be theatrical, but I just need to add that little touch. Right. That, um, and that's that your signature. Thing. That's Alan's signature. And the way you do it is going to be different than how I or another oh, sure. photographer yeah. may. And that's what, that's what makes it fun. And, and listen, and the cool way, the cool thing about at least how I'm shooting, and I'm sure most people who are implementing strobe lighting, mm -hmm. and that's pretty much what I'm doing now, right. um, is you're bringing this lighting in, backlighting or side lighting or whatever it is. It's coming in on its own layer. And so if you do go a little crazy, it doesn't have to be 100%. You can always sure. pull it down to 90 to 80 to 10. Uh, you can mask it in with more subtlety mm -hmm. or, or being more over the top. And I, that's something we talk about in, in the workshops as well, but it's also lighting for strategy. I think kind of the difference and how I kind of approach it is um, being strategic with your light implementation, not just implementing A reason lighting. for it, yeah. Yeah, knowing where and knowing why is as important as how do I layer it in, at what percentage, how do I mask it in in Photoshop? That's the boring part. But to me, the exciting part is bringing the lighting in and actually having it, treating your spaces as three-dimensional spaces, right? Yeah. Because eventually they're two-dimensional. Right? Yeah. We think in two dimensions lots of times because we're sitting in front of the computer mm -hmm. so much. But when we're out in the field shooting is when we need to start to think in three dimensions. It's a lot more challenging especially if you have multiple layers of space. Oh, sure. yeah. um, but that's the fun part. And for me, the tools have gotten so, I don't want to say easy, but it's gotten a lot easier. Well, yeah, it, <laughs> it is most that. definitely is a lot easier than it used right. to be, especially yeah. if you're, you know, running monolites and, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm I got worried. rid of almost all of my uh, electrical lighting and I'm using yeah. all, for the most, most part battery operated Mm -hmm. Only battery operated lighting yeah. systems. It's so much. Too. I've got easier. some 2000 watt second power packs if anybody's interested. But yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> to, to do body pressing. Yeah, the, the 27 pound uh, black line speedotrons, those are long gone. <laughs> Everything else is long gone. Yeah, I have the now. Wrong color. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those are gorgeous lights. And if anybody's interested, I could we could talk about the equipment that I use. Uh, <laughs> it's not that. I'm a pro photo guy just because mm -hmm. um, I think they're simple and they've been pretty solid. I, I, the, the ones that I bought in 2013 are still working, mm -hmm. um, but I've since upgraded to the smaller ones. So I have B, I have B ones mm -hmm. and B one Xs, and yep. then and I have the uh, oh god I can't remember the B ten pluses. Okay. I, have, I have several B ten pluses. Um, I'm probably going to get one of those little ones. I think it's the A2, the little cute ones. The little tiny uh, ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, I'm using the B10 pluses, and that gives me enough, um, for the most part, um, enough power to do my work. Mm -hmm. And we could talk about, you know, my camera systems a little bit if if you if you feel like this is relevant to the conversation as well. I've been a Phase One guy since 2003. Right. Yeah. 20 years of shooting with with Phase One, and I've 
for the most part, upgraded to the new system on average every two to three okay. years. Um, You're using a technical a camera? Yeah. For, I just I just grown accustomed to using it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've used the Phase 1 XT, which is their very small technical camera. Yeah. Um, I don't own an XT. I, I own a Cambo, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, Basically the same thing. Yeah, the reason I haven't made the investment in the XT system is purely financial, to be honest, <laughs> because all of my glass is going to have to be retrofitted to oh. work with the XT system. And the XT system in and of itself isn't dreadfully expensive, but to start over with four uh, four lenses to retrofit all four of them gets expensive. But yeah. I'm quite happy with my technical camera system. Um, and the cool thing about the phase one digital back is I can use what they call an electronic shutter, which mm-hmm. basically I leave my mechanical lenses open. Yeah. <laughs> I leave my couple zeros open mm-hmm. and let the phase one essentially effectively be its own shutter. Yeah. And there's a lot of really cool things we can talk about or not talk about that the camera allows you to do with multiple, uh, multiple exposures in one raw file, Mm -hmm. um, super long, virtually however long you want exposures at any time of day within one raw file, which is shocking. Mm -hmm. And they call that frame averaging. Lots of cool things that you can do with that system. So we shot, for example, a, where were we? Like a courtyard of a a mall. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of people milling about. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, this will make most all of those people disappear. And I set like, I think an eight minute exposure. Okay. In a bright mall, yeah. uh, and you know, virtually they disappear. And the way in which it, they do that is, they the, the 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 digital back senses what the proper exposure is. Let's just say the exposure is a thirtieth of a second mm-hmm. at an ISO fifty at at an aperture of an eleven. We're all accustomed to those lens settings. Sure. And yeah. Sensor settings. Um, has to do with the amount of light and the sensitivity sensitivity of the sensor and the aperture. Okay. Now, how do you turn that 30th of a second into a minute or five minutes? You know, the old days, you'd have to put a very, very heavy uh, a neutral density filter yeah, on. Yeah. I have several of those and I've used them over the years. And I love doing that type of daytime photography to make the clouds smear, to yeah. make the water smooth to a degree, make people disappear. Mm-hmm. Just moving throughout the frame, uh, make car headlights streak, whatever. Um, but the digital back is it, through the frame averaging feature says, okay, it's a 30th of a second at these parameters. How long do you want it to be? How long should the exposure be? Quote unquote exposure. You want it a minute? Okay. Well, I'm going to give you 300 frames. Yeah. A 30th each, give or take pardon my math, and we're going to blend, we're going to average all of those 300 frames into one long exposure, and the digital back creates one raw file over that time frame. Mm-hmm. It's pretty remarkable. Um, it is. And yeah, yeah, so so you're, you're controlling time in a way that you can't with any other camera. Right. And a byproduct of that is, of course, it's averaging out noise not that the camera's noisy mm-hmm. but however noisy it may be it's averaging that noise out exactly yeah so you're getting a a a, a digital file that is basically creamy as possible especially in the in, in the shadow areas 
Yeah. And you're getting the benefit of, okay, how long do you want the exposure to be? And as an architectural photographer, certainly shooting exteriors, it's a joy to have that just by tapping that's the huge. digital back. Yeah, that's... Isn't that pretty cool? So I don't need to use the, the ND filters anymore. Mm -hmm. And the other uh, uh, specialty that it does is that they call it dual exposure, dual exposure plus, and that's a little bit more straightforward. It creates two exposures and it embeds them into one raw file. Okay. So basically, it's like shooting a bracket, mm. a bracket of two at the moment, that mm -hmm. it and, it, and it's separated by, it's a three-stop bracket. Um, so it's just giving you more detail to tap into. That's when a lot of information, yeah. Yeah, it's shocking. So I never, for the record, I shouldn't say never, but let's just say never, uh, <laughs> do a bracket. I don't need okay. to because I have the dual, expo dual exposure plus mm -hmm. option if I need it. And so I'm for all my ambient exposures using the dual exposure plus option, which effectively okay. takes a whatever it is, 15 and a half stop dynamic range, and it gives me three extra. So it's now over 18 stop dynamic range, which is, you know, overkill. But you yeah, know, we love overkill. That's more information <laughs> that you can reproduce. So right. So so that's this is all technical stuff that I'm 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 assuming the average photographer might think is irrelevant or boring but for us as architectural photographers i would like to think most of us are camera geeks and i am going back to you know my early days falling in love with my well, dad yeah I'm and, and i think that in in this industry you kind of have to be um be, because at least for me this is more technically demanding than yeah. any other kind of commercial work that i ever did um, I mean, I've had, I had three different studios over the years and we did products and food and, you know, lifestyle and all kinds of things like that. Nothing was as difficult as the architecture. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's, I think part of the technical challenge, um, it, it, it could be an obstacle between you and your final image. And I think the goal of having this camera equipment, any camera equipment, is to have as few obstacles in your way. Now, that said, this ain't a point-and-shoot system. This isn't taking no. the camera out clicking. That's far fewer obstacles. You're creating a picture simply. However, um, half of our work more than likely is spent in post-production or thereabouts. Yeah. And it's those obstacles... <laughs> are far fewer when you have these digital files that are this rich. Yeah, when you've when they, you got a robust file that you have so much yeah. information to work with. Yeah, it, it, it's such the post-production aspect is far more um, pleasurable, if that's the right word. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, less, it's far less disappointing <laughs> and far fewer compromises when yes. you have that robust, to use your very smart word, uh, digital file. I will say this about the technical camera system in the phase one. Mm -hmm. It does not shoot pictures easier. Um, no. It doesn't. But I can't remember the last shoot I went on, especially a designer shoot or an architectural shoot, where my intention was to shoot easy. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be, you know, clever. I'm being serious. Uh, I think part of the, at least for me, methodology and part of the you know from getting from point a to point z is it's a process that shouldn't necessarily be ridiculous and painful and three hours <laughs> that, that those days are long gone yes. but it's a process that's 
very specific and needs a, a tool that allows us as photographers to be as refined as we want. Yeah. Right. And it's not the tool for every shoot. So, I mean, I have a Canon, I have a Sony system. Mm -hmm. I, I go out with those systems when it's the right system. Sure. You know, I yeah. come back and do post-production with those systems. Um, I see the shortcomings mm -hmm. and their significance, but I shot a lot faster. I shot a lot, uh, I have a higher shot yield, mm -hmm. uh, which is there's advantages to both systems. Uh, yeah. And not every camera, excuse me, not every shoot is going to be a technical camera shoot with a large yeah. format uh, body or medium format digital back. But for me, at this point in my life, most of them are. Okay. <laughs> and and to a degree, I think it's, you know, the, listen, the, at the end of the day, if you will, the pictures speak for themselves, mm -hmm. but that doesn't really define us as photographers, I think the, the, the joy of, of shooting is in fact shooting. And I love working with a camera that is, um, gives me more technical control over the image on set. Uh, and in addition to having more fun in post-production and having fewer compromises, the shooting experience is different. You more oh, than likely do have to slow down slightly. Absolutely. You more than likely are going to be more painstaking. I shoot all of my work tethered, unless I'm on a rooftop of a building, mind you, but mm -hmm. most of my interiors and stuff, I'm shooting tethered sure. to, to 16 inch, uh, uh, usually 16 inch um, laptop. Mm -hmm. Every now and again, we bring the bigger monitor, but that's rare. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a more precise, painstaking, but ultimately yields better results yeah. way of working, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I've shot with all the systems. And uh, at the workshop, we do play with the Fuji system. Okay. Um, and I, I've liked, I, I am very impressed with the Fuji system. I'm not sure yeah. if you've worked. Have you worked with what medium format systems have you shot? Yeah, well, with? I, I use the Fuji system. Um, GFX. The GFX 100, yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's a nice file. And the lenses, yeah. those native Fuji lenses are impressive. They are I've used it with the Actus and some of those retrofit lenses as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, it's cool. It's cool. Um, but you get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. Yeah. That's kind of whether, whether a camera that's 10 times the price gives you an image 10 times better. That's a debatable <laughs> controversial uh, discussion. Uh, I think for me, and listen, um, I remember when I could barely afford a camera uh, <laughs> at all, and I, I wanted to buy these. Do you remember Paul C. Buff? Is he still around making White Lightning? I don't Light know. Uh, I don't think Paul's around anymore, and I'm not sure what happened to the company. But, yeah, I do. I knew Paul. Yeah, I remember. Uh, well, I, I, I had a several of those different lighting, the mono lights. And when I first got started, he had the 10,000. They were like white cans. Yes. <laughs> uh, they were super ugly. I used to, they were the, I remember they were never color balanced. I had to put this yellow <laughs> UV they filter. Were very, across them. very blue. Back yeah. in the days of shooting film. Um, and he, and he there's a, there a photographer, I'll mention his name. His name is Len, um, Len Kaufman, if he's out there. And I remember him saying to me, because I wanted to buy his lights. And he was a very straight guy, very, um, um, meticulous and um very scientific mind mm -hmm. good photographer and his his bit of advice to me was because i wanted to buy these lights he had three of them i said man i'm not sure if i can if i should buy this he goes are you going to use them 
He goes, are you going to use these? Are you going to make money with them? I said, yeah, I'm trying. He goes, he goes what are you thinking about? Yeah. So that's not to say be a, be, a, be a lunatic spending money on every piece of gear. I don't do that sure. either. Yeah. But I feel that that very basic argument <laughs> applies to, you know, buy the camera system that you're going to use. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no point oh, exactly. in buying this camera or that lighting if you're not going to use it. Um, I'm not sure how I got that. Well, and you, you've got to have good, reliable tools. Hundred um, percent. And you. And, but at the end of the day, the photographer takes the pictures, not the camera. Uh, let's not fail to mention that. <laughs> uh, when I was when I was thinking about our conversation today, I knew we were talking about camera equipment because it is relevant. Yes, sure it is to to, to our work. Mm -hmm. um, but lest we forget that, of course, it's the photographer mm -hmm. that does. The creative work not the camera yeah yeah um it's not about the camera <laughs> exactly well, it's a little bit okay <laughs> a little bit about the camera yeah but it's mostly about the photography. and you got to have good glass so oh yeah. for sure that being said um barry i think we're going to wrap up here i really appreciate your time today this is no. very informative and those listening to this are going to gain a, a lot of information You've been very generous um, in talking about your background and your business technique and, you know, your philosophy of shooting and all these things that people can't get anywhere else. And so uh, well, I appreciate I, I appreciate your platform. Alan, I know you and I have been together forever. I've been with yes. AIAP <laughs> and, and I'll just say I've I've garnered some clients being with AIAP over the years. And so I've always respected you, uh, being uh, appreciating being a part of this community, um, and it's my pleasure to you know contribute in however I can, uh, large, small, medium, very small amounts. <laughs> so yeah. I, I also appreciate the opportunity to come on with you because this has been a lot of a lot of fun. I, I thank well, you. Thank you. This has been huge, and we will put information about your website oh, yeah. and. Um, also your workshops um and then if you'd like to uh, put anything uh, as far as you know your sponsor for your workshops in, in there as well happy to do cool. that um, um i'm i know the caption integration guys as well so <laughs> yeah they're out they're all over i think they've yeah. got people out by you as well yeah. and they've been wonderful to me um over mm -hmm. the years but yeah, I would love to share information about the workshop. I believe it's October. The announcement is going out today, ironically. October 1st, okay. we're photographing what I'm assuming is going to be, because the last time we were there, it was a very stunning and unique designer show house okay. in the foothills of Georgia, just south of Atlanta. It's oh. called Serendy. And you oh, can, wow. I'll, hopefully you'll be able to provide a link to to the sign up page or at Absolutely. least where you can see information about it. And what's really cool about these show houses is, you know, every designer wants to outdo the other one. Yes. So you've got like a dozen or 14 or 15 designers and they each have a room or a space and they do beautiful work up there. I'm, I've been super impressed with the, um, and for, for obvious reason, the Atlanta uh, design community is mm -hmm. top notch. And these yeah. homes are stunning. They're very cool from the outside looking in. And once you're inside, there's really, for me, very, um, as a Miami shooter, for the most part, I have a lot of, you know, slick and clean and reflective mm -hmm. surfaces these days to shoot.
but in the Atlanta show houses, you're getting a lot more detail in yeah. terms of texture and wood and stone. Mm-hmm. And these surfaces and and uh, their design overall reacts really well to lighting. So it's it's obviously a bit of a field day if you want it to yes. work with light and experience, you know, playing with the lighting tools. Um, but this year and and every year we also play with you know I'll use the air quotes natural light technique as well. How do you create beautiful images with natural light? Um, so I know a lot of photographers want to experience experience both. So mm-hmm. that would be awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, we're happy to uh, link those in, in the description of this uh, mm-hmm. video and also the podcast. So this will be available on on all of the major podcast platforms. Oh boy. again thank you barry we're going to wrap up here i do appreciate your time and uh, we'll look forward to talking with you again soon yeah me too me too thank you alan this has been another episode of a photographer's life if you've enjoyed this program please let us know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel a photographer's life is brought to you by the association of independent architectural photographers This episode is copyrighted, and may not be used in full or in part, without the written permission of the AIAP. Please join us again soon for another inside look at the world of professional architectural photography.